0: I just want to read a psalm to you tonight and talk about it briefly as a means, hopefully, as a way to help us through thanksgiving to know how we can express our gratefulness and our love for the Lord. Uh, it's from Psalm 100. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, I'm going to read it to you. But hear what it says. It, it starts this way. It's a song of praise for the Lord's faithfulness to his people. And then it has this title, a psalm of thanksgiving. And what's interesting is that that's the only psalm in all of the psalms that has that title, psalm of thanksgiving. And then the writer says this, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are the sheep. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. Now, there's only five verses in that passage. And the first four outlined seven things that we ought to do. The first four verses just tell us this, that we ought to shout joyfully, we are to serve gladly, we are to come before him, we are to know some things about him, we are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, we are to be thankful to him, and we are to bless his name. Verses one through four break down into those Seven imperatives, those are verbs that tell us what we are supposed to do. But in the fifth verse, the fifth verse gives us the reason for why we are to do all of those things. And the reason why we are to do all of those things is what I want us to consider to begin with tonight. I just want us to think about what verse 5 says there to begin with. And the reason that we are to be so thankful... And the reason we're to carry out all of those verbs is because of what the psalmist says. And he says this, the Lord is good always. The Lord is good always. The word Lord there, when you see it, it's in all caps. And so it's differentiating the Lord here from any other lords that would be lowercase. The Lord, all caps means that he's talking about Yahweh. He's talking about the covenant God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, And Jacob, and he's differentiating him, he's differentiating that Lord from any other God and any other false gods that are out there. And what he's saying is apart from all the rest, this Lord, this God is good and he's always good. You see, in the ancient world, the gods of the heathen were not always good, they were selfish, they were capricious, they could turn on you in a heartbeat and suddenly do you harm. They couldn't be trusted, and I want you to know nothing's changed. All the false gods of our world today are exactly the same way. They are all for themselves, and they will suck us in, but then they will turn on us in a heartbeat. But God's not like that, not the God of the Bible. See, he's completely trustworthy. In fact, the Lord's promise of salvation is sure, and it is absolute. And that is true not because of our faithfulness to him, He doesn't remain faithful to us because we remain faithful to him. He's faithful to us because he's good. That's his cardinal characteristic. That is that that whole fundamental characteristic of who God is. Consider what the psalmist writes in Psalm 34, verse 8. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And he says, blessed is the man who trusts in him. Now I want you to notice the next emphasis. How do we know that the Lord is good always? Is because he goes on to say, because his mercy is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. The word mercy is the word chesed. You got to get in the back of your throat a little bit there if you're going to try with the Hebrew. And we used to have to sit up and read it in the Hebrew, and you'd have to, the hesed. it was chesed. And you have to really get into it, and we would, we would have to practice that. What's interesting is that the Hebrew word hesed comes from the word that means stork. And you know why the Hebrews used that word? It's because a stork was known to to put its its, uh, nest high up in a tree. And it's abnormally known to really take care of its young because they cannot take care of themselves. And they had this overprotection of their young. And they, they did these things. And so the Hebrews began to compare the loving kindness and the mercy of God with what a stork would do. And they blended those words into this. And so he's saying that God loves his children even more than that stork could. He cares for us and he feeds us. And his love does not depend upon us. It depends upon his eternal nature, which is good. But Not only is God's mercy everlasting, but God's truth endures to all generations. That's just another way of saying that his truth is everlasting. What that means is God's not fickle. He's not moody. He doesn't act towards you one day one way and then act towards you another day the next, a different way. You ever had a friend like that? You ever had somebody that one day they were the best friends you could ever expect them to be and the next day they didn't hardly talk to you? God's not like that. He's not fickle. His truth is everlasting and it endures to all generations. And he will be true to the promises that he makes. One writer I read said this, God is today what he was for our fathers and mothers and what he was for Paul and for Mary and for Joseph and for David and indeed for all the patriarchs of the faith. C.H. Spurgeon said this, he says, As our fathers found him faithful, so will our sons and their seed forever. Since God has been good in the past, I want you to know that he will always be good because he does not change. Therefore, we must affirm at all times, Lord, you are good to me. You've never left me. You've never forsaken me. You've always been there. So there we have it. There's verse 5. We have reason that we should be thankful. We have reasons that we should celebrate. We have reasons for always knowing that we need to have that, that relationship with God and why we ought to praise him. It is because... He is good, and he is good always, and his mercy endures forever, and his truth endures to all generations. And it's because of that that you get all of those verbs in verses 1 through 4. I'm going to let you go back and read them again for yourself, but here's what I want you to know. We need to be a people that shout. I mean, we just sing about it. We will shout, our God is good. Now, shouting is not something that we probably do a whole lot in the church today. But you know what? The Bible says that we ought to shout. It really is the kind of shout that was given for the king when he would come, and it was a joyful shout, but it's still shouting. We don't like to shout too much. I remember the church that my dad pastored, the first one, Springway Baptist Church up in uh, Gainesville, Georgia, and my dad would pastor that church, and there was a little man. He sat kind of like just directly across from my mom and I. In fact, he went to my mother right after my dad first started pastoring there, and he came to me and he says, he says, sweetie, you're just so faithful in bringing this young little boy to church with you every morning. We're so glad to have you here, but where is your husband? <laughs> she goes, well, that's, that's my husband up there preaching, and he embarrassed him to no end. He, <laughs> sweetest little man that you could ever remember, or I could remember, you've ever seen. He didn't have a lot of money. He was an old man even then. But you know what? They'd get to singing and sometimes my dad would get to preaching. And you just kind of hear it. It was low. Woo. 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 I never forgotten that. You want to know why? He didn't care. He was coming into the presence of God. And he was shouting. I'll never forget it. I think, you know, I want you to know, my kids know that I can get a little excited when the Georgia Bulldogs are playing. (laughs) They'll tell you that I can shout then. When did it become okay for us to shout at a sporting event and not to shout about the goodness of our God? You know what the Georgia Bulldogs have never done? They've never given everything for me. They've never died for me. They've never offered me a salvation that cannot be taken away from me and will never fade. And neither can any of the teams that you cheer for either. And yet I'm as guilty as anyone there is of raising my voice and shouting when they score a touchdown and keeping my mouth shut so often in this room on Sunday mornings. And I'm confessing it to you right now. The Bible says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. You just take that one, do with it what you want to, it's fine. I just want you to know the next one says, serve the Lord with gladness. I'm just going to ask you two real quick questions. Are you serving the Lord? And are you doing it with gladness? You see, they go together together. That's what it means to have a thankful heart for what God has done for you. It means serving the Lord and doing so with gladness of heart. When, when God knew what would happen to the Israelites, you know what he told him in Deuteronomy 28? He says, Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies who the Lord will send against you. I'm reminded of Bob Dylan. Some of you younger ones need to ask some of the older ones in the room who Bob Dylan is. Bob Dylan sang a song, you've got to serve somebody. The Bible says that we ought to serve the Lord and that we ought to do it gladly. The next thing is we ought to come before him with singing. Mary, I loved what you said. We're to come before him with singing. It does not say that you've got to be a member of the choir per se, but thank you so much that you are. It doesn't mean that you've got to have a soloist voice. But it does say, because you know what singing does? Singing is an offering. It's a sacrifice. It takes effort. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to be in tune or that you've got to have the best voice or that the person next to you is going to... It just means that you are singing from the depths of who you are because you know who is your king. Sing. Sing to him. And then the next one, it says, we are to know some things about him. Know that the Lord, he is God. That's a command to know. It's not just telling us stuff about him. But what are we to know? It means to know the Lord is God means that it involves studying. It, it means opening this book and reading it and learning about who God is. It, it's he that's who made us. He tells us that. He tells us he's our creator. Listen, if God didn't create you, then you really owe nothing to him, right? You're a self-made man or a woman. The Bible tells us that we were created and we we're created in his image and we're the image bearers of God. And because that's the case, we owe something to him. Not only is He create us, but it is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. He made us and He redeemed us. And because of His redemption, because we who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, we ought to be thankful people that know this about it. We read it. We study it. We envelop ourselves in it. We we baptize ourselves into the Word so that we can know more about Him. It's a command. We're to learn those things about Him. And Then finally, let me just put it this way. God's people should gather together with others to praise and thank Him. That's exactly what we've done tonight. He says that we are to enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise and be thankful to Him and bless His name. And that's exactly what we wanted to do tonight. We wanted to come together as a people. Listen, a lot of these things that I've described in the first four verses are things that you can do by yourself at home, and you should. But Oh, let me tell you, there's something about being together with the people of God. There's something about being together when you're able to do it corporately the way that we are tonight and the way that we're able to do it. And there's something special about that. And I want you to know gathering together with others to praise and thank him is something that we must do. So why do we do it? We do it because the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. So there you go. There's your psalm for this year to consider and study more on your own. Tonight I want us to just do one thing. Will's going to come in just a moment. and He's going to He's going to sing us out, and we're going to sing ourselves out as we sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. But I think on a night like tonight, when we've considered all that we've considered together, when we've heard what we've heard, is there anything better that we can do? Just just our voices, just our voices. Singing that song that many of us learned when we were children. Some of you may not know it, but just listen to the words and sing along if you know it. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Father, we pray that you will take that offering and that it will be a blessing to your ears. Thank you for what you have blessed us with. Thank you for what you have done through Jesus, our Savior, on the cross. Thank you for the love that you have shown us, and for the way you have brought us through the deepest and darkest valleys, and for the promise that you give us of heaven, and that our, we will one day be with you. Thank you for all of these blessings and thousands and thousands more of them. In Christ's name, amen.